Hey guys, welcome to the Bag Boardcast episode number 424. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. Usually that doesn't throw you <laughs> off as much. And we're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories for the past week. Next is The List, the comic books coming out October 28th, 2020. Then we always follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week, it's the 15th part of our continuing Great Marvel Movie Retrospective, where we're going to be discussing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 from 2017. Yeah, I do want to. Ha- I, I'm going to for- terribly forget about asking this question, so I'll ask it now. Do you guys get annoyed that they change the naming conventions of the movies with Volume Two here for Guardians of the Galaxy? It was Iron Man One, you know, or Iron Man Two, Iron Man Three, Captain America Two, Captain America. Actually, Captain America didn't have no. Cap- Captain America just went Winter Soldier. Just went, yeah, yeah, just went the colon route. Yeah. So never mind. I guess we're not annoyed because every movie you answered your own question. Also, it Good made talk. Talk. sense for the movie because it was like Greatest Hits Volume Two was the cassette that he got at the end of the movie. So super, super awesome mix, whatever. But okay. it was well, we're being pedantic, so let's be pedantic. You're the, you started <laughs> all of this. <laughs> I just, you know what else at, we started I just, doing? I just saw the crazy drinking. eyes that I must give you all the time, Paul, because I saw myself in the screen. Uh. Yeah, yeah. You know, the but only way to get through this is with drinking. Let's, let's move it on. I want to talk about this before so, it's gone. Chris, I, Chris I what are sit, you drinking then? I have to sit in my quiet rage for a moment. Yes. Um, so you sit in the quiet rage room right now. Uh <laughs> Sometimes I get the show going. It's already 9 o'clock. It's partially my fault. I was a little late, but come on. Uh, starting off, Cigar City, a brewery that we've been to and we love. Um, this is a new hazy double IPA from them. Uh, and this is the Benwood, uh, brewed with Australian-grown Galaxy and Oteca hops. Uh, sitting in a tall boy can. I don't know. ABV. Can't read it on there. Um, oh, 60 IBUs. 8% ABV. Um, it's definitely got that imperial kind of like bite on the side of the tongues, but then it's also just a really nice, like, grapefruit juice, like, pop mm. on it. Uh, I really dig this. I just bought the one can of it. It's available in, um, four packs, but I just figured something to try while I was drinking the rest of the beers from tonight. It's like four bucks for the can. I really do enjoy it. Put it at a 4.25 out of five. I, I, I dig it a lot. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy. No, it's Paul's turn. You're you're in the you're in the rage room. I I was getting out of it. Now I'm going to go back in. I'm drinking uh, an Elysian, Chris. I believe you had this on the show, or maybe you haven't. The contact haze. I don't think I did. I saw it. Okay, and this is a this reminds me of like the classic IPAs that got me into IPAs. Finally, it's a little bit of that citrusness, but it does still have that pininess to it. Um. It reminds me of, you know, like uh, old flower power or something like that. Six percent. It's not overly uh, done on the ABV. It's a nice, easy drinking beer with that, l- still with a robust flavor. Where I'm getting a little citrus, I'm getting a little bit of that 
hop uh, pine, hop resin. Um, and it's very enjoyable. This is actually the second one I'm drinking tonight. I have, I have had somebody, this. I had it back in somebody, February. Somebody was waiting for people to get online. And uh, no, I was, I was actually watching the trailers and everything you guys probably kept up on throughout the week. And I just crammed it in the last like 20 minutes while drinking this beer. So this is my second one, and it's enjoyable. And I think it's it's that kind of beer where you, you finish one and you're like, oh, yeah, I can have another. So. Yeah, I put it at a three and a half. I don't, honestly don't even remember having it, but I'm, I must have liked it enough because that's my mm-hmm. better than bargatory rating. Hmm. Okay, John, are you are you rage filled? Or are you rage empty? Uh, well, my beer is almost gone, so we'll see how we go. <laughs> Uh, but I'm drinking from Other Half Brewery, their Simcoe Daydream Double Dry Hopped Oat Cream IPA. This is Ooh. 6%. This is quite delicious. Um, yeah, the, I, they use oats in this. Uh, I don't know if they're, Ooh. I don't know what they're doing that makes it a oat cream IPA. F- filtering it through oats? I don't know. I just said I don't know what makes I, I, an oat. I, I'm just I'm thinking out loud. <laughs> um, I, I I could look into it, or I could uh, I could text Mike and ask him. But uh, the um, the beer is really nice. It's got a nice creamy mouthfeel. It doesn't taste just like a juice bomb. It has a little more character, possibly from those oats. Um, it's really nice. It's really nice drinking beer like this is something that'd be good to have on the porch when it's kind of like the weather it is now in buffalo it's it's high 70s but there's still like a nice cool chill in the air and uh yeah it's it's a really enjoyable beer i like it i like most i i like most things from other half i think there's only been a few times where i've said oh i don't really like that um, that being said, a lot of their beers do just taste the same. But you like it, so... I, okay. I just like it. That, that's kind of like me with Six Point. A lot of their beers taste the same, but you know what? Yeah. And I also have that thing with uh, Omegang. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, but let's get out talking about the taste and flavors. Let's get out to the news garden and uh, see what we can harvest up. So we got some new trailers that dropped of shows that are actually going to come out and movies that are actually going to come out, guys. Like, there's new entertainment. More shows than movies, because movies are still in that kind of, like, who knows kind of period. Uh, But something I'm really excited for uh, is something that really wasn't on my radar. I had heard about it before. But, John, this is the one that you shared with us. And this is the MODOK show. Uh, where Modoc's being voiced by Patton Oswalt. Yeah, I it's there's like a five minute actual clip from the show. It's not just a trailer. Uh, I watched maybe two minutes of it and I was like, okay, I you have my attention now. Uh, John, do you have any more information on this? Like, what's going to be airing on? Where it's going to be available? Because I'm assuming this is going to be a streaming thing. It's on uh, Hulu, I believe, uh, and that's Hulu. Hulu. Who do you oh. do? You do? On Hulu. Oh. Uh, I th- that's really all I know. I I heard on it. I heard about it on another podcast, and I was like, oh, I'll check it out. 
I John, watched. John, sorry, I'm going to cut you off. There's no other no podcast other podcasts. out there. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Did someone start a second one? Because we've already done that. It's called Word Books with Friends. It's great. <laughs> oh, oh. We got new issues of that coming out? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> they're right after uh, the movie fix. Oh, <laughs> welcome back. Uh, <laughs> um, no, it looks, I mean, it, it definitely looks fun. Um, I think as all of us thought and and Paul said when we were kind of mentioning that we have this for the news was it's very robot chicken. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it from the robot chicken people, like their production company, like slash animation house? I don't know. I didn't lo- really look anything right. up about yeah. it. Let me. I can look and it up on my second, seems... second monitor as we're doing this. Oh. Yeah, guys, moving the, on up. I think the humor also seems very Adventure Brothers. Like you are now relieved of your post as Supreme uh, CPA. You know, uh, you know, there's something that reminds me of the old uh, Monarch with uh, yeah. how they're playing off Modoc. Is it uh, bad yeah, I never I, really got into Venture Brothers? I only got into that first couple seasons, and then I fell off because it took like three years between seasons. It and then a- by by that time, I lost cable because I wouldn't pay for it because, you know, money. I definitely think uh, it is worth, now that like... I think almost all the seasons are out, or there's there was going to be one more, but it I think it officially got canceled by uh, Cartoon Network. Um, but I think they are worth it. They it gets it gets real. It there are some crazy things where it gets really good, and like uh, at one point, like David Bowie is in there, like as a celestial like super spy being. I don't you know. It gets it gets really no, good. No, I don't know. Yeah, it gets really good. <laughs> uh, so literally so everything we're saying is all that I'm finding online about it, where it's like, oh, yes, it looks like Robot Chicken. It's Marvel by way of Venture Brothers. Like, all of this stuff oh, is oh, being, like, thrown in in, like, actual, like, reputable news sources. So we're right on par with them. But, yeah, nobody's saying, like, who's actually working on it. Um so we're part of the echo chamber. Yeah, good, yeah. For, good for us. Good. You mean three white guys all in their late thirties? Whoa, their forties. I just got to my late all 30s. have the same. All have the same view on the world. All right. <laughs> uh, this really looks fun, though. I I I like it a lot. I don't know how much of it they're going to be doing it. I guess just the one season or what yeah who knows but i don't know but it doesn't make me want to pick up hulu like i still don't uh well, what, what about the next thing we'll be talking about which is also available coming up in hulu in a month of november 2020 we're getting the animaniacs reboot uh first trailer for this just came out a couple days ago and i have to say man this is like Animaniacs made for people that grew up with Animaniacs. Like, I don't think this is going to be a kid show. Not that the first Animaniacs really was, but this is more like, hey, you, you remember Animaniacs, right, guys? You're in your 30s now. Hey, here you go. More of it. You, you have kids that are in their 10s to, you know, between 8 and 12, right? Like, No, mine's here, two. Watch, well, think of our friends that 
have kids that are now. Oh, just because they got like started earlier than me. Yeah, I have a droid that I built. No, but they're probably being marketed <laughs> to a little bit more than yours. They can actually yeah, no, sell agree. advertising to those kids. Um, so I think yeah, I think it's on, like on Hulu. There's, there's advertisements on Hulu, right? Mm, not if you pay for not have. Yeah, I was gonna say because uh, there's there's two. I, I don't mean, pay for it, Paul. You can get the one that's money. free. So yes, Paul, you have it. Uh, yeah, but this, this seems like hey, Animaniacs was always like always had jokes that were supposed to be over the kids' heads. So this seems more of the same. Like we all know who that Cyclops is in that moment, but they also made in Animaniacs and also Looney Tunes. They made fun of Bill Clinton constantly. So Tiny, Tiny Tunes. Tiny Tunes, oh yeah, yeah. Tiny Tunes and Animatics. constantly making fun of uh, or or Boris Yeltsin and Al Gore and yeah, the, I, you know. I remember in I, I can't remember which cartoon. I think Animaniacs, like they made fun of Apocalypse Now and uh, Jim Morrissey the Doors. You know, like who who <laughs> even knows who those characters are? And they have a Dennis Hopper character in it. Like, no little kid is going to know those references. So but they're going to grow up and then appreciate those references later on, or get upset with the original thing that they were referencing and be like, "The Animaniacs did it better." Yeah. See me when I watch Abigail Ellos, who's on first. You're pushing all my buttons today, Paul. <laughs> all of them. Oh, you just like old weird things. What? Because they did a whole thing with the band playing at who's on stage? The band. Yes. Oh, it's the band name. Yes. No. That's the band. Oh, we don't need to go through who's it. Who's the band? No, they're oh, playing not, later. It's not your mic. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my mic. It's what I'm saying. What else did we have? There was like one no, other thing. Know. Oh, we got a first. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm going back into it. <laughs> we got uh, our first real look uh, with Tom Holland as uh, Nathan Drake, and uh, he looks very Nathan Drake uh, in the picture. Um, I know there is a lot of backlash because Mark Wahlberg is playing Sully, and one of the shots they showed the two of them like in the movie, he doesn't have Sully's signature mustache. Oh, if he doesn't have the mustache, we riot. Right. And also... Digitally added, right? Digitally added? No, we learned... I guess I guess you can put a mustache in. You can't digitally erase it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I don't think Mark Wahlberg is the right character for... Or the right actor for that character, but... Yeah. Well, I think they threw him a bone because he was originally supposed to be Nathan Drake, and then the movie just kept getting, like, kicked down the road like a pebble, and then eventually they're like, well... You can't be, like, the young heartthrob, like, Tomb Raider anymore. But we've got the older mentor figure. And he's like, bro, are you kidding me? I was hanging out with Grimlock. Bro, why are my lips so pink? (laughs) He's part girl. (laughs) Uh, There was, was I, I forget who was telling the story, but it was some story where Mark Wahlberg came up to, like, the director and was like, Yo, we should do this because I don't understand what you're talking about without doing this other thing. 
and he was like adamant about like changing like the major plot point of the the script and like the direct the director just kind of walked away from him and somebody else came up and was like hey those are great ideas let's film it our way and then we'll talk about filming it your way and i guess like he almost like stormed off the set but it was like it was like uh changing i i I don't know. It's, the end of Departed. Yeah, it, like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just hanging out, lifting weights. Optimus Prime is behind me. He's my bro. <laughs> we, that's not this movie. No. Uh, yeah, I think that, and that's. I think is that all we have for news. Yeah. This is not a crazy week. I mean, there was nothing else that really happened, like nerd, nerd wise. Yeah. I'm looking. I, I see the picture of uh, Mark Wahlberg now. Yeah, I mean, he just, he looks like Mark Wahlberg. No, no mustache. Yeah. Kind of sad. I don't know. I like I like Sully. I mean, I haven't really played too much Uncharted, but I've never played any of the games. I've never had a PlayStation. They are fun. They're fun. Hmm. They're fun. You know what yeah, else? Sorry, is that's fun? a lie. I have John's old PlayStation Two. I've just never turned it on. Oh, that's nice. Well, I. Haven't I don't have any games for it. I don't think I had many games for it either, so... <laughs> you gave me your old PlayStation, but none of the games. And I'm like, eh, well, I'll keep it here, and maybe... Well, you I'll... were trying to build, like, a collection of all the old you systems. Were try- you, you were collecting all the systems. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And instead just... of me trading that in for money, I gave it to you. It was a very nice gesture. Because I think It would have had... been nicer, though, if you had given him some of the games. That's his only point. That's all he's saying. Just so I think I let I my dad was using that as a DVD player. DVD player, and I had already traded. Did it work as a DVD player? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't remember. That was that one at of the all. big selling points. It wasn't that long ago, but I do not recall that at all. Wasn't it like? Uh, was it three? That was the the Blu-ray? Blu-ray. Yeah, that was the Blu-ray player. That I and the <clears> Xbox 360 <throat> had a HD. external HD. Yeah player HD DVD. hd dvd player that you could put in it which was about the same size as a wii was it really i yeah, i never knew anybody that had that so nobody had it and nobody had bought the b movie on hd dvd because i'm pretty sure the b movie's the only thing that came out on hd dvd do you really need that in hd <laughs> pretty sure that's a lie but no no that's matter. that's fact now you said it on the only podcast that that exists so <laughs> That's out there in the world. Uh, we're doing another beer. Are we getting into the list? Yeah, let's do another Give beer. Okay. And we're back with our next round of beers. Uh, I am drinking from a local brewery here, Thin Man Brewery, their double IPA, and this is crazy juice. And this is locking in at uh, 8% alcohol by volume. And this comes in that vessel that I love the most uh, when it comes to beers, that uh, 16-ounce can. Love it. And this isn't, uh, I don't think this is crazy on the juice. This is okay. This is this is a good step up from the um, contact haze. It's 8%, so it's hitting me a little bit harder. Or maybe it was just because now the two You've had two other ones, I drink yes. have caught up. Um, but still got a nice little resiny notes. It's not like a overly passion fruit or pineapple or orange. It's I wouldn't say this is a juice bomb. But it's it's good. It's drinkable. Uh, I am also drinking something from Thin Man Brewery. This is their Auto Minimum. Auto Minimum? 
this is a small it's pronounced batch. aluminum. Auto, no, no, we're audio, John. No, I know. Well, I, put, I was that. showing you to tell, read it. Tell me, um, I don't know. Uh, this is part of their small batch. This is a Belgian style pale ale at six percent, and you get kind of the the farmhouse ale kind of right up front. But there's like a yeah, I I don't like it. Enough flavor on the back end, it's, or what it's something in the mid palate that just goes like really bitter, kind of overpowering. It doesn't like it. It has that farmhouse ale smell. I don't know if it's just mixing that farmhouse with the pale, but I am not. Uh, I am not a fan. Um, it's a rare occasion when I find a thin man beer I don't like, but there's they they're out there. Um, this being one of them, but. Uh, mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the awesome Jenkins because of the price point. Yeah. Oh, jeez. My headphones weren't plugged in all the way. Oh. So there's probably some feedback in the microphone. Oh, yeah. Okay. It happens. That's what happens. Chris, I got, I got confused because my wife was behind me making hump motions. Hmm. 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 Uh, my next beer, though, is coming from Boulevard Brewing, and this is a collaboration with Rheingeist Brewing out of Cincinnati, oh. Ohio. Oh. And this is Crustfall. This is a peach berry pie sour. So it's Imperial Berliner Weiss uh, with peach, blackberry, blueberry, and other nat- natural natural flavors added. Uh, 7.5% ABV. It's a really big peach pop up front. like Right off the bat, it just, like... Oh, biting into like a fresh peach. And then on the back end, you get that berry tart. I put the the Benwood from Cigar City a little bit higher than this one when I checked into it on Untapped. But I think I like this beer more. Um, if you put both of them in front of me, you know, down the road and ask me, hey, which one do you want to drink? I think it would be this one just because it is something a little bit different. I mean... Cigar City makes great IPAs. We've had a bunch of them. They're going to keep doing what they do. For Boulevard, this is something very different from anything I've had from them before. Uh, And I really, really do appreciate that and applaud them for it because this is absolutely fantastic. Like, this is just a nice... It's a peach pie. Like, I dig it. Sounds good. I got a peach beer coming up. Hey. Yeah. Peach is one of those flavors that it's not in a lot of stuff, but when you get a good one, you're like, okay, it's like real peaches, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't get them a lot, but when you have like a nice one, you're like, yeah, peaches are great. You know, they're one in a million. There's millions of peaches. Peaches for me? Yeah. You know what's for me, though? The comic Some books comic we books? got coming out October 28th, 2020. Hmm. Hmm. And, uh, John. Hey, guys. You might, re- you might remember us reading and really enjoying The Last, uh, the last God uh, that we did for a look back many moons ago. But uh, that first series is wrapped up in a second series, The Last God, Songs of Lost Children, number one, is, uh, is coming out. And this takes place a decade after 
uh, the infamous battle. And uh, this is going to be some fun stuff. It's about characters that I'll say their names and nobody who hasn't read the books will know. But uh, the art was great in it. Um, and the art was by Steve Beach. Uh, Dan Waiters is uh, the writer for this. And uh, I'm looking forward to finishing The Last God's uh, first story arc to uh, read this one. Because I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed it as it's gone. I think it was five issues, maybe six, and I read two or, th- two or three of them. So you're saying you're picking this up kind of like it's mid-story arc. Because you got to go back and read the first story yeah. arc. So, but I actually plan on reading the previous story arc. Okay, cool, cool. Paul, what are you picking up, bud? I'm picking up a new story arc. It says right here: first thing, new arc, great jumping on point! Exclamation! <laughs> <laughs> it, so- it sounds like this is made for you, Paul. What what book yeah. is this? Because there's only <laughs> two that it could be. This is Runaways number thirty-two. Oh, this a third is, uh, one. Yeah, yeah. This is a uh, the Brian K. Vaughn first Helm series. This is, uh, I think, Runaways is the first comic book by Brian K. Vaughn I read. Uh, did I read the Hood first or Runaways? You, uh, the Hood came remember. out first, so you might have read it. Yeah, well, yeah, maybe. I'm um, I'm not sure. But uh, this has gone through a lot of different writers. Uh, Joss Whedon did a uh, run on it. Uh, I have fallen off of the runaways more times than I've jumped on runaways, which is crazy. That's, that's weird how math works like that. <laughs> yeah, math is interesting. Math is crazy like that. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to see what's happening with this crew. Who Who is actually part of the runaways now? Uh, is it still Old Lace? Is it still uh, Chaz with the... His name isn't Chaz, is it? The guy with the techno gauntlets. Chase. Chase. You're you close. Know, uh, Just add me. The uh, Princess of Power. Yep. Uh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, yep. who doesn't go by that name anymore. And then uh, the uh, Witch Girl. Nico. Uh, yep. Why can't I? Nico. Yeah, they're, they're all still there. Okay. And then, then, Did they pick up anybody movies. else? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'll see who the lineup is, see what's going on. I think it'll be fun just to catch up with the, a crew that I haven't been uh, reading in a while. Uh, and if you do want to kind of dip your toes back into it, I do have like the first 20-some issues of this arc. Uh, we did read the first one for a look back you know, two years ago now, I think, when it came out. Uh, and Runaways is still one of those books that I do pick up. I still read it. I'm just semi-lax with my comic book reading now, so I buy things in like story arc now, and I'll just mm-hmm. read like five, six issues at a time. Then I'll be like, okay, you know what, let me buy all of Runaways, let me buy all of Nightwing, and just kind of get caught up that way, instead of buying things monthly. Uh, But something that I am going to be buying this month is a new book coming out. This is a number one coming from, uh, oh my gosh, I didn't even look up to see who was publishing it. It's probably like Boom Studios or IDW. Uh, But this is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, number one. And this is a tale about one of the very last Ninja Turtles. Three of them are dead. There's one survivor in a future New York City. They're being very cagey about saying who it is. I'm assuming we'll find out who it is once we read the book, but I think it's kind of cool if they 
played a little bit closer to the chest. Uh, Do we want to lock in a guess now? Um, I'm going to say it's going to be someone nobody expects, and it's going to be Donatello because in wow. all of the co- in all of the cover artwork, he has all of the other Ninja Turtles weapons like strapped to his back. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a kind of cool idea. It's the brainchild of Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird, the original creators of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The actual comic itself is written by Tom Waltz, art by Isaac Escaraza. Uh, IDW, sorry. I'm looking at it now. It in front of me the whole time. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm into it. After all the other kind of like updated versions of older characters that we know and love, like Archie, Sabrina, Ninja Turtles that we've kind of dipped our toes back into, we haven't gone into any of the Ninja Turtle books, even though they've been coming out pretty regularly still since Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles became a thing. Like, the only Ninja Turtles books that I've ever bought were when they did the gigantic, like, omnibus of the original story arc. Hmm. Uh, like, Mirage put it out, like, ten years ago. Uh, and I thought that was really cool. But, yeah. I'm looking forward to this. It's eight ninety nine, but it's almost 50 Ten years ago, it was 2010. Are you sure it was only ten years ago? It might have been longer. Um, <laughs> but it's almost 50 pages. Um, I think this could be cool. I don't know. I saw this, too, and was like, oh, I, this would be my number two book for for the list. Um, but, yeah, I would also, th- like, when Paul said that, I thought, oh, it'd, it'd probably be like Donatello. I thought the same thing, Chris. It's going to be Raphael, though. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was Raphael. I was going to guess Raphael. I mean, I would love for it to be, like, the turtle I least care about, which would be Donatello, but Raphael's always... Not always, but... Been the loner. He's been the guy that's the survivalist. It seems like he's the one that would have, like, the biggest chip on his shoulder, especially about being, like, the last turtle. Uh, Uh, Yeah, but, you know, you'll hear more about that when we do our October look back coming up in a couple episodes. But you know what you can hear right now? A dramatic reading of Firepower, number two, page 13, panel six. No peanut butter! Good dog! No! 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 And that was a dramatic reading of Firepower number 2, page 13, panel 6. Well done, Paul. Oh, thank you. I know, if, I, you want to, if you want to see that panel that Paul brought to life, hey, make sure you follow us over on Instagram, where we post those every single week when we put up our episodes. We usually try to pick those uh, panels... Um, just kind of like you open up the book, swipe to a page, and and pick a panel. But with this book, the first half of it is completely silent. So I actually was like, all right, just give me the first. I'll just do the first dialogue. I'll just do the first dialogue. And it was like, boom, that's it. Click. Or you go back and you f- finally find that somebody did by Night Force. And you just like be like, okay, which panel we haven't done yet? I mean, I remember John buying that because it was going to be an investment because we were going to keep going back to it. <laughs> we did for quite a while, and then I gave I gave Paul a leave. I said I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it anymore to Paul. But I did download it, Paul. I I just was nice and didn't have you read from it. <laughs> so before we head into the main topic, do we want to crack into the next beers? Wow. Yeah. Okay. What? Okay. It's it's, wow. it's that it's that time of the show. I mean. All right. The first Bella part of it's gone by pretty quick. <laughs>
And I'm drinking from 42 North Brewing Company. This is part of their five-year anniversary. And this is There Goes Five Years. This is a blackberry and blueberry sour with uh, vanilla graham cracker, dry hopped with Belmia hops, and contains lactose. Uh, This beer tastes like... You are drinking a blackberry blueberry pie. Somebody pureed it and just made an amazing smoothie out of this this berry pie. The tart isn't like overpowering, but it has that really nice kind of crustiness. Like you can taste that graham cracker crust to it. (sighs) Nice. Oh, it's so good. It's uh, 6.5%. And, uh, man, it's good. And also, the the uh, label uh, looks like you're looking at the galaxy with a bunch of stars, so it's the perfect beer to do for uh, this movie. Hmm. Uh, I did not pick the perfect beer to go with this movie. I picked the other, <laughs> the 42 North anniversary ales that they're doing. This is the Fit the Fifth. Uh, this is their passion fruit and peach sour IPA, and guess what? It also has uh, vanilla and a touch of lactose for an incredibly uh, smooth early fall sipper. And this is it, it, the lactose, like on the mouthfeel, really comes through, and also on that aftertaste, like that's all I have is that vanilla kind of uh, sweetness, and it's got just a little touch of that passion fruit tart. But mostly, it's just that sweet vanilla or sweet vanilla and peach all the way through. Like uh, I took a big old gulp, and I'm like, "Oh, peach, peach. Okay, where's that passion fruit? Where's that passion fruit?" So I'm surprised that that got top filling here. Well, the the passion fruit might be giving it the tartness because it's also where my beer is a sour, yours is an IPA. You know, so it's that sour IPA. It's a sour IPA. <laughs> it's um. Yeah, I, I, it's a very drinkable, I want to put this as a sour, you know, I get the little bit of a ting of the sour at the very back end, but yeah, it's more, I, it would be an IPA sour more so than sour IPA, I don't know. It's, it's good, it's drinkable, it's, I think Kate would really like this, this is something that I would, I, I, I don't know why they're saying it's perfect for this, this, the early fall, this seems like a summer beer for me, this seems like, hmm. Coming a lot. Let's go. Let's let's mow lawns. Let's go disc golfing. Let's go for a run and then sit back and drink this on the porch while we play some cribbage. Uh, plus, it's I don't know late fall. Yeah, it is late fall now. And but like, it says that perfect for early fall sipping. Yeah, but like mine was canned on ten fourteen. It's still late fall at middle of October. You know. This was canned on ten twelve, so I don't know, but I did enjoy uh, you know Cannon Brewed in East Aurora, New York, on planet Earth. Earth, not Earth. Oh, it says Earth? says Earth, Earth, but I like to say Earth. Oh, oh okay, okay. Chris, this place I was makes me think of Earth. Thing. Hey, I'm Chris. Chris, look, I'm making a glowing ball here, and, <laughs> gonna throw it and to I'm going to throw it to We're you. Going to have a catch? Going to have a catch? Oh. Oh. Um, so. Last episode, I had Left Hand Brewings. Oh, gosh. I don't even remember what it was called. But it was basically like it's their white, white Russian, Russian milk stout. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I was it just like the White Russian like stout? This is called White Russian. Okay. Uh, was not a big fan of it. And when I went to my beer store today, I saw another left-hand brewing beer, and this is their peanut butter milk stout. And I was like, okay, like, man, peanut butter milk stout. It's got pictures of, like, you know, peanut butter cups on it. This can't be bad. Uh, I just bought one can of it, cracked it open, poured it into my glass, and, man, just, like, a rich, nice chocolate nose on it. I was so excited to try this. Oh. It's so, like, watery and ghosty. It doesn't have any of, like, that nice, rich mouthfeel that I would want from, like, a peanut butter chocolate milk stout. It's such a ghost beer. And then you get kind of, like, that peanut butter, like, starchy on the back. But by that point, like, the rest of, like, that nice... Big, big chocolate like that you get off the nose is already gone. Um, I'm I'm really shocked that now this is two two milk stouts uh, 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 that I thought I was going to really enjoy from Left Hand because man, Left Hand does milk stouts really well. The flavored ones just not not catching for some reason. I kind of found that too when they did their raspberry. They did a raspberry one. The and raspberry was, was better than both of these ones, though. I will say yeah. that. Because I remember that one being okay, and I'm like, yeah, I get it, but it's it wasn't, like, it didn't nail it. And I don't know, too, if it's because I got so used to drinking the Milk Stout being the nitro, and, like, these aren't nitro, right? It's just, like... but Well, this one's not nitro, but the White Russian was. Yeah, but... And now I can't even say, like, well, if this was in a nitro can, it'd probably be better, but... Because it doesn't have any linger like i'm now that i'm like towards the bottom of my glass like i'm getting a little bit more of that kind of like richness that hangs onto the tongue but i shouldn't have to drink an entire beer to finally get to the point where i'm like okay now i'm now i'm tasting it now it's clinging to the top like especially so like right off the front because as soon as i smell this i was like okay you've made up for past transgressions now left hand you've done it by God, you've finally done it, but no, it's it's just not. I, I'm I'm so disappointed. This is two weeks in a row that I'm like, ugh. I was it's just like the reg- letting me down. The regular milk stout, the fade to black. Um, those wake to dead are still good. Hmm? Wake, wake to, to dead. dead is good. Yeah. Sawtooth. I liked. I always liked the nitro sawtooth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So the, we we just stick with what we know. Yeah, with uh, left hand now. Stick with what we know. Left hand stick. As to, long as we. What you know. But unfortunately, I buy all my beer with my right hand, so maybe I won't remember. Oh, that could be why. Left hand. <clears throat> John hated that joke. It's okay. Every, everyone Everything did. I... You're just able to see him. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry that that beer did make me a little bit little congested though. So. Well, it's lactose. He could be, but I did have the the crust fall, and that didn't do anything. So, mm. so, so you're going to search your universe, maybe for for a beer. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scratches that itch. Well, I'm not going to search the universe. I'm just going to go out there and let the the beer find me, pretty much. Mm. I was trying to segue into the main topic of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, 
where Ego goes out and searches the universe. That, oh, I thought you were talking about Peter Quill searching, and I was like, no, because like oh. the beer fountain. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. We were That's we were going well. to the same place. But Rogue, the the most nutty beer that I think I've ever tasted is definitely that Rogue uh, Brown Ale. Well, nope. Yeah, yeah, the the Rogue. Uh, what is it? Hazelnut Brown? Has a good nutty flavor. The best brown ale I've had is a Smutty Nose. Yeah, I'll, you know, I miss that Smutty Nose, but now I don't know how much I love that. It's just the nostalgia of it. Versus how good it actually was. It is still a good brown ale, but I have to say, Cigar City Maduro, their that brown ale, like that, that knocked it knocked old Brown Dog off. Like it's such a good brown ale. Hit the old killer, that old Brown Dog. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking about killing your loved ones, hey guys, heading into the main topic now. Where this is the 15th part of our continuing series, the great Marvel movie retrospective, where we're going through and watching all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films with the current context of knowing where the MCU is going. And just, you know, up to this point, like 10 years of hindsight, what matters, what we like, what carries through, uh, and where all of these stories and characters are ultimately leading. And what we have now, uh, from 2017, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 2, uh, directed by James Gunn. Everyone you liked from the first movie coming back in the continuing stories of the Guardians of the Galaxies. And right from the get-go, I'm like, okay, I really like this movie until we get to the climax mm-hmm. where it just becomes like, CGI magic fest and it takes me out of it because that completely undercuts all of the adventure and the fun and like the actual like the characters which I think is really what sells Guardians because like we talked about before uh, on our Guardians watch along with super friend of the mm-hmm. show Greg uh, the Guardians it's just a fun movie and this has a lot of fun to it still. But on this rewatch, I was kind of just watching it more in the mind frame of like, okay, like great Marvel movie retrospective. Where does this pick up from the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? What does it add to it? Where does it go? The Guardians movies just kind of stand as a, hey, we're our own kind of thing. But eventually we'll get to MCU-ness. Because there, there's really not a whole lot that you need to take out of this movie, you know, into the next batch of stuff. Uh, I would agree with that. I also just want to say, like, this was probably my favorite viewing of this movie. And it was being more like focusing that lens on it and capturing a lot of different things that, you know, some more nebulous stuff, some more little little bits of the movie that I think I might have looked past before that I watched this time around and liked even more. Now, uh, overall, I think I'm uh, much more agreeing with Chris here. Though, John, I do take your point that the Nebula stuff is good. I think all the character stuff is great, and that all happens in the first two acts. 
And then the third act happens where all the characters are now where they need to be. And I've taken that journey with them. And now they're just battling ego. And none of that, you know, it it just loses. I get bored during that. Because it's, it's the constant superhero third act problem. It's the problem with Wonder Woman. It was my problem with Avengers. It's my problem with a lot of the movies where once that big battle starts happening, no story is being told. And here, here we get the story being told of I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. And like, I don't, See, I don't use it. I don't move the arrow with my mind. I use my heart quill. Like, like those moments are like the moments that finally push Peter Quill to who he is. But it happens so late in that third act in that fight that I'm like already kind of checked out. I mean, that we get bits of that, though, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, too, though, where it's like, mm-hmm. well, no, now everyone's coming together to fight Ronin, and uh, I, I can't remember the, the, name, the name of the ship, because, like, that's what's attacking Xandar. At that point, like, it feels, like, earned, because they spent the entire movie saying, like, yeah, we're all a bunch of a-holes. We're all the outcasts, mm-hmm. but we found each other. And it's leading up to everyone else kind of coming together with them. At this point, they're trying to sell that story again, where it's like, well, no, we're all a bunch of a-holes, but we've got each we're other. We're, we're stuck with each other at this point. And yeah, there's that family overtone to it, but I feel like they don't well enough on that because they spent so much of like the first like three quarters of the movie like with the infighting and you're watching it being like no you guys you know you you need to work together to get through this you just spent you know two hours in the last movie getting to this point nebula is the is the audience she's like you guys aren't family you guys aren't anything you guys hate each other you guys yeah. are constantly you're not bickering and you're not right. friends you're not friends. All you do is yell at each other. And he's like, no, we're family. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole movie is they are a family, but nobody really is there really admitting it until it really gets towards the end. And that's when they really kind of focus up on all that stuff. And it's it's the reason why Quill, you know, he doesn't just kill Rocket or kick Rocket out. Rocket's part of the family he just has to, you know, he just kind of deals with him like everybody does. And with Rocket trying to be, he's trying to cause dissension among the group with everybody. And I think it really, like, I from this viewing, I took it as that, like, it's that those people who are didn't realize they were family, but treated each other like family to the end when they actually really say we're family. And that's... Wait a second, Oh, go ahead. Okay. And that's like when you get, Sorry. like, when Quill is left behind and that ship's taking off, everybody's really emotional about about leaving him behind because he is, they are leaving that family member behind. And, I, like, all that stuff, it, it, I was like, oh, yeah. Like, it moved me more this time watching it than it has before. But all I know about family is you 
kind of forget they're there until the sabers are on, and then you talk to them because the sabers either won really well or they lost really well. And other than that, you just they're there. All I know about family is Ohana means family. <laughs> yeah, family means no one gets left behind. We we don't talk for months on it or forgotten. Like it's fine. Uh, but I John, remember them. I think because nobody's forgotten. I think everything you mentioned is is true. Like that all is kind of the big takeaway from this movie. It's just the CGI. Like Kurt Russell, Chris Pratt battle at the tail end that kind of takes me out of it. And I think that's something that Black Panther suffers for as well because by the time you get to that moment in the movie, like you're along for every step of the way, but then you just see that CGI like pixels punching each other and you're kind of like, oh, well, this is undercutting everything that came before it. It, but then it does rally back at the end. Um, ultimately, I do like this movie. I don't want to come off as really negative because I think like five-eighths of this movie is really solid. It's just once we get to that climactic scene where I'm kind of like, I'm zoning out a little bit more. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of like really good stuff to this like as a Guardians movie. And then a little bit that does kind of feed into the upcoming Marvel Cinematic Universe with Nebula kind of finally becoming a character. Mm-hmm. First one, she's just kind of there just to be she's like just a someone. pasty villain. Uh, and this one, she does come into her own. So finally, when we do get to see her stranded alongside, you know, Tony Stark at the beginning of Endgame, it's like, okay, like she is fleshed out a little bit more. You do know who she is. And when there's that kind of turn where you have like the 2017 version of Nebula with the current version of Nebula, like there's some interplay there, but literally the only thing that Peter Quill goes through is when he finds Thor in infinity war with the rest of the guardians. he's like, yeah, I had to kill my father. So that was sad. It's like, all right, well now you're just, yeah. It's a throwaway line just to show how much she He's, suffered. There is no growth. Yeah. There's no growth for Peter Quill after this movie. Um, I had something. God, I drank a lot. <laughs> okay. That's okay, uh, because, like set up at the front, like everything you liked oh, from the front. Oh, 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 I remember. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, so, how many times on Disney Plus since it's come out? Because it was a release title on Disney Plus, right? I, I don't I think, think we. Had I to think wait so. For this one, because I, or maybe not. Because have this you one... loaded up? Have you loaded up this movie? And then, like, oh shit, I gotta get through this whole like backward, you know, this whole like prologue thing of them like ego falling in love with Peter Quill's mom. I just want to watch Baby Groot dance to Mister Blue Sky by ELO. And then, like, just turn it off. Like, that's... How many times have you guys done that? Because I'm saying, like, eight for me. uh, Zero. But I do have to say, this time watching it, I was... I did say, oh, yeah, it opens with young (laughs) Kurt Russell. And it opens with a music montage of them, with them driving, to then go Mm -hmm. into, like, credits and music montage. 
without I, fighting. I will say oh, yeah. I've watched this movie multiple times, and I do always forget about like the CG Kurt Russell, who looks fantastic. Not not faulting any of the CG in this movie, just that it's there. Um, leading up to it, because I think that's just such a fun, great way to start the movie, where the Guardians are facing this terrible threat, but you're more focused on baby group dancing around fighting like a rat uh, until they get the Harvey Larry batteries. Mm-hmm. That's not what they're called. Harvey Larry but, uh, but you know what's, what's great about that is it undercuts the Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skull problem of, oh, the characters facing this great threat at the very beginning of the movie now the now every threat that we see after this has to be bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Okay, this big monster, yeah, baby group dancing around. Like this isn't really a threat. This isn't a big deal. Like we don't need to see Indiana Jones jump into a uh, freaking freezer case to survive a nuclear bomb. You know, because you don't need to amp up from baby group dancing. No, but you would need to amp up from. Big monster that nothing's happening. Yeah, but if you when if you think about it, what, it, what you had big monster, you had their escape from the gold guys and their ships. The, the yeah. sovereign that that's an amp up, and then you have from baby dude scratching, and then you have ego. But after that, because then the ego, thing, which is a whole planet. Well, I yeah, but kill them. I would say that's an amp up. But it's not like it's not where's, like oh raising my, my hand. Where's where's the where's the raising the hand thing? Oh, it's not coming up. Okay, okay. Um, so I was on my other monitor. Um, I will say you do have a little bit more ramp up because at that point, after everything that you see with the guardians and the sovereign, you jump over to Yondu and the Ravagers, where they're on like pleasure ice planet Hoth, where they're getting like robot BJs, and then oh, there's cold donkeys. hand jobs. Oh. Cold hand jobs because you know robots. Because core is light. But that's when you start to get those rumblings of the mutiny from the vi- the villain hitherto known as Taserface. That's kind of sowing those seeds of discontent among everybody. And I think that's kind of a more present threat than what you're getting with Kurt Russell's ego. Even though you know that ultimately that's going to be what's the end point for this movie. You know that it's going to be building towards that because that was such a lingering plot thread from the first one. It's like, well, Peter doesn't know who his dad is. Everyone else seems to know. Who is it? And I think that's what adds a lot more credence to the Yandu story in this one, which I think coming out of this movie, Yandu's kind of one of the big takeaways. Not just because of the Mary Poppins y'all line at the end, but just... Because it does build him up and show that, well, no, he knew what was happening to all those other kids that Ego was paying the Ravers to bring to him, and he just couldn't do it anymore. You know, and that's the, he might have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy line. Like, that's, he was looking out for Peter the whole time. Mm-hmm. Just, just didn't know He it. never had a Terran before. Yeah. You said you would eat me. I was just joking. How is that joking? But I think that's, again, part of that ramp up because you're starting to see that. And then ultimately you get to the point where, yeah, you know, Taserface leads 
the mutiny, and you see those loyal to Yondu like toss out of an airlock. You know, uh, yeah. rockets only spare just because Nebula steps and is like, well, no, like we we need them; they're worth more to us alive than than dead. And I guess, I, but like, also with a. I, like Paul, I agree. I agree. It's like, oh yeah, everything escalates in this. But I don't. I guess I took your. I I don't know if you were saying it in a negative way. No. But I was. It needed to happen, and you needed Baby Groot to be dancing, so that first like encounter wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. So that way, everything else okay. definitely escalates. See, I see. I took you were saying it in a negative way negative. that they were oh they got to make it bigger and bigger and bigger because I pushed your buttons earlier <laughs> and you're just ready to go. But I think that's, I understand. that's very much a lot of just what Guardians is, and again, something we kind of talk about every MCU uh, great Marvel movie retrospective is there's a lot of undercutting like the drama and the tension with something. I mean, even like the big fight we get at the end. CG Kurt Russell's ego charging towards Peter Who's giant CG Pac-Man. Like, there's enough here that's kind of like, yes, things are serious, but you don't need to take them seriously. Uh, yep. When, you know, Yondu and Rocket are locked away, you have like a whole five-minute segment of group bringing back the wrong things. That's a tense moment for them. Like, they're locked up, they're trying to escape, and... That ultimately leads to one of my favorite moments in the film, where you just see Yondu and Rocket murdering a bunch of people. <laughs> but it's so well done. Set to a set to a music uh, montage, uh, and also a lot of slow mo motion walks. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also what's the Peter and Ego battling each other isn't the actual thing that's going to solve that end that battle. It's Baby Groot. With a bomb, which they undercut with humor, with the whole like which button is the right button. Does, like, does anyone so, have any tape? Have tape? Yeah. yeah. So it's constantly like just the movie's constantly just undercutting itself. And oh, I had another point that I forgot. Oh, the eating. Uh, I've never tasted. None of us boys tasted uh, Terran before. We were going to eat you. I can kind of understand that because my parents constantly threatened to just give me up to Father Baker's, which was an orphanage. Like, you know, you're just like, oh, you know what? If you don't like living here, if you can't follow these rules, we're just going to drop you off at Father Baker's, which is an orphanage here in uh, Western New York, uh, which I live like two minutes from now. So parents, good job. Kind of, kind of did it. Um, they succeeded. Uh, so I understand the whole, you know, guy being like, well, maybe, maybe we'll just eat. Uh, Paul, Paul. Okay. It's a, it's a parent thing. It's, it's just what parents Paul, do. No wonder you're like, eh, I don't see him until the sabers do something like <laughs> they threaten to give me away all the time. Of course they like, would. I wasn't, I wasn't a great kid. Your parents never threatened to give you to give you away to Father's Bakers. No, I just got. I heard that. What? I just got slapped on the ass and soap in the mouth. I heard that, and we weren't even a Catholic family. (laughs) See, that's a thing. Thank you, Chris. That's a thing in like Western New York and South Buffalo. So it's not weird that a parent would be like, 
yo, maybe we'll just eat you. It's not that far off from being, like, hey, Father Bakers. <laughs> like, Father Bakers will eat you. Seems seems on level. Uh, I don't know. My kid's raising hell, and I just think it's, like, it's exhausting, but I also think it's the most fun in the world. Like, I can see it in his eyes. I'm like, oh, this kid's going for it. And then I got to catch him before he does it. And then I'm like, I'm so happy he went for it. <laughs> you can just see he's, he's got he's, he's got the devil in him. Yeah, but aren't you also interested in, like, you well, know, maybe back ribs? Like, legit. Like, how'd they taste? No, I don't, I don't want to eat my child. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. I can't. <laughs> it's Halloween. Yeah. Halloween. <laughs> Lost your mind. <laughs> this is even... oh, Okay. Uh, Anyways. Uh, let's move on from that point. Chris, so, you, I uh, saw you opened another beer. I, I did. Um, so, coming from uh, Winter Park, Florida, and the Ravenous Pig Brewing Company, this is. The Foxtail Coffee Blonde Ale. Um, Ravenous Pig is actually owned by the company that owns Polite Pig at Disney Springs. Uh, this is the brewery that all their beers are made from. The Ravenous Pig is also another like barbecue brew pub type restaurant. Uh, I haven't actually had this one before. And the fact that I can actually find their beers canned at my local beer store is actually really awesome to me. Um, this is locally brewed, and then they say also locally roasted because they're using a locally brewed and roasted coffee. Uh, I'm trying to see where it says, not finding it, uh, but 4.5% ABV. And it's definitely a Blondale that has coffee added to it. It's... Imagine you make coffee with the grounds from the day before okay. um i th- when you first then, when you wait, first wait. started that sentence it's like imagine you make the coffee with the grounds i was like i do that every day with <laughs> <laughs> the grounds from the day be like you mean you ground you ground them fresh the day before and you just left them in the coffee i mean you like pot you brewed make- coffee and then the Ooh. next day you're like eh, you there's re-brew. there's still grounds in there there's still, I'm there's out still of coffee. probably some good juice in there. Yeah, okay. like, I'm out of coffee. Let's just rebrew. Okay, it's like because yes. honestly, I'm I'm not proud, guys. I've done that before, where like I open up the can of coffee and I'm like, ooh, okay. there's only like two tablespoons in here. I need at least four. Well, you know, you just add it to the ones that are in the front before. It never works out. Moral of the story: Don't nope. do that. But you got to um, do it. It's like it's making not- tea with a like a a used tea bag. Like yeah, just. Yeah, it just doesn't steep right. Mm. It's not bad. Um, right. It, like it's that. a Blondale with, with coffee. And I think it's just the fact that it is such a lighter, like, crisp, bright style with that coffee. It just kind of, like, cuts through it. It just kind of, like, makes it cleaner. Um, it's not bad. I don't know what I'm going to put this at because 
it's not something I would drink again, but it's not something that I actively dislike. It's just not. How acidic does it taste? Because that's the one thing that I have with Blondales. I find them kind of a little bit more on the acrid, acidic side. And then you add coffee on top of it, which can become acrid and acidic. It's a little acrid. Like, on the back end of it, it's kind of like that you just bite into, like, a a coffee bean kind of taste. Like, you Mm -hmm. buy, like, the chocolate-covered coffee beans. Like, you bite into it, and you're like, ooh, like, that... Mm. I, I keep saying pop of flavor, but it's like that pop of coffee, like when you bite into like a mm-hmm. coffee bean, it's that chased by just like a light, like Blondale. Mm. Wouldn't buy it again. Not bad. I think it was only like three bucks for the can of this. Okay. Don't hate it. it. It is what it is. I'm not let down by it like I was the peanut butter milk sauce from left hand. Um, Anyone else have anything, or just me? Just you. Just you. I, I need. Okay. I just was trying to pass that so Paul and I could get ourselves under control. That's okay. Yeah, because we were laughing. Because a couple things that this movie gives us, and we did talk about it in the lead up. Um, Ego, the celestial, aka the living planet, played by Kurt Russell, one of Walt Disney's favorite actors. Uh, again, rumored his last words written were Kurt Russell before he died. Um, and then also giving us Pom Clementif playing Mantis, who's going to continue on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, playing a big role in Infinity War, showing that not only can she put a Celestial to sleep, but she can also placate a Mad Titan in Thanos so that they can try to take off the gauntlet. Until everything gets ruined by Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord. Because, yeah, he doesn't learn anything in this movie, like we previously said. Um, Also kind of spinning out of this, we see cameos from the original Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know any of their names because I have never been a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. The only books that I actually sat down to read were the ones we've talked about earlier on this show. Uh, written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Uh, the only previous to that issues of Guardians of the Galaxy that I ever owned came from one of those like collections that you would buy, where you'd spend like five bucks and you'd get ten random comic books like shrink wrapped together, uh, and I had, like Guardians from the eighties. Uh, but in the original Guardians, we get Sylvester Stallone who does his Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone-est. Yelling random words at people that he's told to yell, uh, but then he also you might wear the colors, but you ain't no Ravenger. Uh, Paul, so I I own DVDs for this, but I rewatched this on Disney Plus just because it's available. And like you uh, saw before, they do have some of the bonus features available. And in the bonus features, they do have a gag reel. And in the gag reel, Sylvester Stallone keeps saying Ravengers. The Ravengers. Ravengers. And eventually he's finally like, oh, we'll fix it in reloops. So he's just like, yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do it in post. Um, but then we also get better actors with Michelle Yeoh, Ving Rhames, and Michael Rosenbaum appearing as the other previous Guardians uh, at that tail end at Yandu's funeral. Uh, again, none of this matters, but 
if you're a Guardians of the Galaxy fan, that probably got you amped up. I just like seeing Ving Rhames because I was like, oh, he's in this too. Cool. Uh, yeah, it was fun seeing those characters and <clears throat> and the fact that, you know, James Gunn would p- pay homage to those characters, which I think is is really nice. Um, and it's, I of all the people to pick, I just think it's so funny that it's Stallone. But if you think, like, it should be, like, a big 80s action star, yeah. you know? It just makes yeah. sense to, to do that. Um, do you think it would have been better if it had been uh, David Hasselhoff? Or would that have been too meta? Because, again, at the end of this movie, the closing song is Guardians of the Galaxy Inferno, done by David Hasselhoff. And yes, one of the bonus features is a music video for that song. Uh, no, no, I think like if you think about it, like an older action, like an older action star, like it should be somebody who was one of those 80, 80s icons. So I think it makes sense that it's Stallone because like, who are your choices? You know, Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Dolph Lundgren, Dol- yeah, mm. Dolph Lundgren, yeah. Yeah, biochemist. Uh, John, Steven Seagal, Jean Claude Van. Yeah, but yeah, Steven Seagal couldn't fit in that uh, suit. <laughs> would Would you put? Uh, oh my goodness, Carl Bruce, Weathers, uh, Bruce Willis. Yeah, Carl Weathers. Yeah, but yeah, Carl, Bruce Willis Carl's, and Carl Weathers. Carl's yeah. Weathers, I wouldn't say was an action star. He was an action movie Jesse sidekick. Again, a sidekick. He was in those uh, '80s movies, but he wasn't the. He was a mayor. He wasn't the lead. <laughs> wasn't he a governor? He was you, governor. Yeah. Oh, I think he yep, was maybe governor. No, what is he? Governor of Minnesota. Yeah, I think he was governor. He wasn't the mayor of Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, I'm trying. The only other thing I have written down. Uh, we also get another appearance from Howard the Duck, who made his first MCU appearance in the post-credit scene of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, again, the appearing on the robot hooker planet of Contraxia. Uh, making some sort of lewd reference. Like, once you go duck, you don't quit the fuck or something. I don't remember what he said. It was something like that. Uh, Stanley cameo, though. We get one in every Marvel Cinematic Universe. And it was kind of hinted that this is one of the ones that he did when he kind of recorded a bunch of them in one day. Uh, Stanley appearing as an astronaut, talking to the Watchers... About how first time we see the watchers. First time we see the watchers, uh, but also leading more towards into the fact that Stanley appearing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is always Stanley appearing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, and he is aware of his omnipresence in them. Sorry, try not to hiccup. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the girl's name that plays uh, opposite of Howard the Duck in the actual Howard the Duck movie? And Le- also Leah Thompson. Leah Thompson. Thompson. She. What was the thing that she tweeted about? Like, hey, that was the worst performance I've ever seen, and I was in Howard, and I kissed a duck. What performance was she, she talking about? Something. Oh, was it about the debate or something? It was probably political, okay. so never mind. You know, because again, this Howard the Duck, once again voiced by Seth Green of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, Robot Chicken. Robot Chicken. Uh, My Stepmother is an Alien, or whatever that movie was. Mass Effect uh, Trilogy. 
He's Joker. Wasn't he in the 30-something, too? The TV show? He was the teenage son? Was, I, don't, I never watched that. Oh, I don't know. Hmm. He was in a Fruit Loops commercial. Hmm. Seth Green, man of many talents, also very short. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I just say that yes. from uh, experience of seeing him at Wizard World East when we went to Philly for like that one year. Because someone I knew from the... God. Sorry, guys. Rabbit hole time for me. Uh, someone I knew from the View Askew message boards that kind of met up with there not like to hang out with again i was with you guys you know Mm -hmm. um but like was talking to you like he knew seth green from school so like as i was saying hi to him seth green was walking by with like people that he knew it was kind of one of those like oh i'm in the vicinity of you wow you're like five feet tall it's also tough to say and chris is very chris is like six seven (laughs) But I'm also not, I'm like kind of average height, and Seth Green is very, it's not very tall. My wife's taller than him, and she's short. It's true. I'm 5'11", which is kind of average height, uh, and Seth Green is not. I have a couple. Which is fine. He's he's done very, he's, height, he's done more than any really of matter. us. Does not, yeah, he's done much better than me at 5'11. So, what can I it's just I like one of the things like we're, we didn't even mention the fu- Austin Power movies? Like, oh shit, yeah, that's right, it's really good in those. I like Seth Green, uh, but just one of the things it's like weird when you find out like people's heights, especially when they're famous because it doesn't appear that way. But you know, Tom Cruise camera tricks they just want to appear bigger. Uh, I do have a couple more notes. I'm so upset that I still have not seen Top Gun 2. <laughs> I don't know if anyone Maverick. did. Did that even come out? Nobody has. It's It keeps on pushing Okay, back. I, I was going to say, I don't know if... Yeah, I thought that came did out Did you watch before. the trailer for it? it I didn't think it yes, was that great. like three times. Three t- They're called Orders, Maverick. <laughs> don't quote the trailer at me, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I will. They play volleyball again in it. It looks so much fun. Uh, so one of the other notes I have written down is Zune makes an appearance. Because we always talk about how we were available on the Zune marketplace. Uh, they mentioned Zune on this, which is really weird that now that's a dated reference. <laughs> Much like the uh, HD <laughs> DVD thing, because, yeah, Zunes just don't matter anymore. And the fact that, okay, yeah, on a Zune you could fit like 300 songs was mind-blowing to Peter Quill. Um. Yeah, that's kind of post. It's not quite post credit, but it's kind of post credit. It's like going off during the funeral. Yeah. For. For Michael Rooker. Uh, also, we have one, two, three, four, five mid and post credit scenes in this movie because that's always something that we talk about. Uh, the first one is. Craglin is now in control of Yandu's Whistling Arrow. So you get to see some Sean Gunn playing around with that. Uh, we get the reunion of the original Guardians of the Galaxy by aforementioned actors appearing. Um, then we get kind of what was the big one that people had been looking forward to for a while. And this was High Priestess Aisha of the Sovereign introducing us to Adam who, as fans of the comic books, you know, is going to be Adam Warlock. But that's something that had been supposed and 
theorized over since Guardians of the Galaxy 1, where there's that weird cocoon in the collector's collection. Uh, people are like, oh, they're going to be doing something with Adam Warlock, Adam Warlock. And now it appears like they're setting him up for Guardians Volume 3, but who knows what we're getting in Guardians 3 anymore, just with where we are in the world now, and then so much probably changed after James Gunn was fired from the MC universe, was left to languish, apologized for his past behavior in being like a raconteur online, and then was like brought back into the Marvel fold after taking jobs with DC to do Suicide Squad 2, which is like Suicide Squad 1, because it's not a sequel, but still has some of the same characters in it. I I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say. I'm filling time until Paula comes back. I did I did remember hearing that the like one of the rumors was um he was quote unquote fired, but really he had worked it out with Kevin Feige to be able to leave because he wouldn't be able to make he wouldn't be able to make Guardians 3 because of everything with the movie that was going on. So they let him go so he could do the DC movie that he really wanted to do. So they allowed him to leave to do that, to then come back in their quote-unquote good graces to do Interesting, because Kevin Feige did visit James Gunn on the set of Suicide Squad. I'm just going to call it Volume 2 because... Naming conventions, that's how they work on James Gunn movies now. Um, I haven't heard that, but yeah, that's a conspiracy that I would, I would, you know, give some credence to. Because, I, it, yeah, the whole the whole thing about all these old tweets coming back to let him go, you know... They, they were pretty, pretty rough. Oh, though. they were, they were, and also... They were pretty, they were extremely extremely bad yes we and it also happened like a week after they let roseanne go from roseanne yeah you know so did they ever put out more of those that that show without roseanne yeah yeah okay. there's actually I, a, I, I didn't follow there, it. it's coming back for another season oh, wow. supposedly yeah. i don't know if they filmed stuff beforehand but i know that some sitcoms and some shows are the Casts and everything are going. They're quarant- quarantining all together so they can film a show, and they're all in the same bubble. And then, and then they'll film like a short season and then leave, go back to their Not families. Sure. Also, a lot of the seasons are being, you know, filmed up in Canada where they have this on lockdown because people, you know have strong leadership and actually you know, do what they need to do. Whoa! I'm sorry. I was political. I'm sorry, Whoa. political. We've, uh, we've hey, got, Vancouver we've got, has an unlock. We've gotten letters before. <laughs> let's, let's keep it. I know. Let's keep it. Uh, but our, <laughs> you know, our next uh, like mid to post credit scene, uh, we get adolescent Groot being yelled at mm-hmm. by Peter Quill because he's just sitting around playing video games. Uh, we will see Root again in Infinity War, kind of playing a little bit bigger role. Uh, and then at the same age, right? Yeah, it's the same age. Like, it's like the teenage Groot. 
Uh, and then finally, we get the Watchers just sorry, the Watchers just walking away from uh, Stanley as he's continuing on his rambling stories. Uh, Ever, that's how every conversation with me ends. By the way, yeah, I mean, we you just walking away. We've done a podcast with you for like ten years, and I'm surprised you haven't noticed us just like leaving the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do think that these credits are a lot of fun. Mentioned it before, but the finale song, uh, Flashlight by Parliament Funkadelic, and then finally Guardians of the Galaxy Inferno by David Hasselhoff, uh, or you may know him as Zardu Hasselfrau, uh, like uh, Gamora calls him. Uh, Also, kind of a fun little thing where if you're actually watching the credits... You just see I am Brute in random parts of it, and then eventually it just flips to oh, assistant to executive producer, blah blah blah. Uh, I thought that was kind of a fun little thing that's thrown in there. Ultimately, like I think Marvel Cinematic Universe handles their credit sequences very well. Like they're always very engaging, at least mm-hmm. for the first part of it, where they're going through like, the main cast. I think Guardians did a little bit better because I really enjoyed watching the credits to this movie because not only are you see, like seeing like weird I Am Groots popping up, listening to a song by David Hasselhoff, but there's also weird little clips of, you know, the Guardians dancing. Uh, this is also where we get our first glimpse of Jeff Goldblum as the Grand Master, who you'll later be seeing in Thor Ragnarok. Uh it it's a fun movie, guys. It is. I, I don't know. Uh, the end credits make me think of it's like it's a wild stallion, like music video, Got and it's rock and roll too. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind Man, of man. If only there was it, another movie that came out recently with the wild stallions that we could talk about on a podcast, John. Yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, but it is. I, I it haven't is, seen um, the second of those movies, so I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, but it is, well, that's because you got sold into slavery when you were a kid, Paul. Uh, but it is like the, this, it is probably the best end credits of the Marvel movies because it is fun and, you know, it's a back of a record and it's a still image of Star-Lord and then it pauses and he starts dancing and then he freezes and he keeps moving up. Like, it's a fun credits to watch because there's so much to watch on it versus just names going up and you know that you are sitting there waiting till the last moment where it says the guardians will appear and then soon in a new movie you know like at the end and mm-hmm. end of everything so why not make them entertaining before it just black screen with white letters going up it you know I always enjoyed the other ones too. Well, the like from uh, Age of Ultron, like they was like the the statue kind of things, and like seeing the moments of the movie that I just watched, like done in a different way. But yeah, this was more jokey, more like, hey, let's just have fun with it. Like uh, credits, and it works for what you know for Guardians. And something we've talked about in. The entire episode, the whole movie, I think the soundtrack is as much a part of 
the movie as much as any of the characters or any of the actors. Oh. And without this soundtrack, I would never go back to this movie. See, I would still watch this movie, but I think the soundtrack adds so much to it. And this is all music from, you know, air quotes before my time, even though it's all still readily available and I'm familiar with a lot of the artists on it. This isn't my kind of music, though, but there's times that I'll just be sitting at my computer playing World of Warcraft or Magic the Gathering, and I have Spotify always playing in the background. There's times I just put on like the Guardians of the Galaxy awesome mix because it's music from both movies. It's just a great soundtrack, especially if you're like hanging out, playing video games, cleaning the house. Like, these are songs that you like. And you might not know know them, but you know them enough to be like, oh, yeah, Brandy, you're a fine girl. Like, Fleetwood Mac, come on. Like, there's so much good stuff on here. You can't go wrong with, like, Cheap Trick. It's, I think this more than any other movie in recent history showed people that, like, no, soundtracks can still lend something to a movie. It doesn't just have to be background music. You can use it to tell a story. You can use it to punctuate scenes. It's there for a reason. Have it mean something. I think, like, there's two other movies that I think do this great with the soundtrack. Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou. Oh. oh, Brother, Where Art Thou. And then, like, Rush... And Baby Driver. And, uh, <laughs> like, Rushmore, for me. But, yeah, Chris, High Fidelity is definitely one. Yeah, I was saying... Only movie soundtracks I've ever bought, High Fidelity. And again, it's just because that was like formulative years and had like the, like the Clash and stuff on it. Uh, and then Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Also really good soundtrack. But I think that just... Mighty Morphin Power Ranger soundtrack. I did wow. have that. I did have that. I got it for Easter one year. Pretty, I, I also pretty just remembered one of the first CDs I ever got was the soundtrack to the movie The Mask. Oh. <laughs> But also, I was like growing up. I was like, like pop punk hey, swing, like like Scott Kid. So it had mm-hmm. that, it had that on there. I think I had a Reservoir Dog soundtrack. I had a Quentin Tarantino soundtrack where it was like the best songs out of all of his movies. And this is back in the nineties. Uh, Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, Royal Tenenbaums was a really good soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, you also bought High Fidelity. The, uh, uh, the Super Trooper soundtrack, and I did. You were listening to that when you got pulled over for the first time because it was like that German like Euro pop song, and you were like speeding down the road to it. I wasn't speeding down the road. It was a speed trap, and I didn't drop down to thirty five. I was still going forty. It was only five five miles. Over. I, I'm I'm sorry. I just I just heard your recollection of what happened, and that makes it sound like you were speeding. <laughs> I was speeding. Got, Let's look up. But the it wasn't record. like I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm going 65 and a, a 35." Yeah. I got caught. I got uh, caught in a speed trap. It's that's why they have. As it. somebody that grew up with a parent that played basically <laughs> every song that was on this soundtrack, uh, you know, I remember this like that ELL song, Mister Bright Sky, or Mister Blue Sky. Like, uh, sorry, drunk. Um. That's something my dad would play, like, when it hit spring and it was, like, nice out for the first time. Like, that's the song he would play, and he would blare it. 
to and it would be like seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. He'd wake up and just play Mr. Blue Sky. And it would wake us up, all us kids up. So, you know, I have some fond memories and also some hateful memories of that song. I, so I get that because I my, have mixed feelings about all of this. My music. mom was I, the same I way. Girl. Girl. She. I was going to say. My, I, oh, uh, uh, you go. You go. Okay. Uh, Everybody, <laughs> hey, pick apart my childhood. Let's no, I was going to say, my Chris, mom was ahead, the same way because I grew up with my mom being a Fleetwood Mac fan. And she would listen to Fleetwood Mac. Like on vinyl because we still had a record player in the house, so mm. I I get that, John. Now you can shoot apart everything that everybody likes. No, I was gonna say like it, it was something that my dad and I would do is we would uh, we would drive we would since I was a little kid we would sing together to songs on the radio, and then later on when we you had cassette you know cassette tapes and mm-hmm. CDs and stuff. You would, um, we would sing along with like the same, the same CD like we'd play, and we would just sing those. And now, as a almost forty year old man, I'll be sitting on the porch with my dad, and he'll we'll start singing one of those songs together, or we'll say something, and it'll hit both of us out of the blue. We'll just start singing the, like one of those songs. But you only do that when the saber score is cool, right? <laughs> Like that's to be honest, Paul. I don't think I've ever watched a Sabres game with my father since I hit double digits. I, that's basically sporting events are basically the only time I spend time with my dad. I've, I've been to. So uh, I've been to. Let's hope that the Bills make it to the playoffs. Otherwise, I don't see my dad this year. It's just like how it I've is. I've been to uh, the Bison's, the Buffalo Bison's baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw donkey basketball with my dad, and uh, I think I might have gone to see a uh, a Sabres game at some point in my youth. So I, I, I just heard that as John went you. to a donkey show with his dad. That's all. I, that's all I heard. Hey, donkey basketball! We left early. Wasn't as great as I was sold to a nine-year-old John. John, we were at the same Sabres game. At least once. I think more than once, though. Well, we went... We... But you always had much better seats. <laughs> and, like, like you're up in the those, uh, like, private boxes, private yeah. uh, areas. And I'm, like... I'm, like... I didn't have bad seats. I was down in the hundreds, so, you know, near ice uh, level. For my, but from, you have never offered my, to let me from in. From my point of view, uh, you were in a bad seat. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't not like I was up in the nosebleeds either, though. Yeah, but you were like you're right by where like the Zamboni goes out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I have been to some really good Sabres games. I'm just gonna say, it's just not with my dad. The same. I'm just saying. You know, my family we we coalesce around the holidays and sporting events. Uh, apparently, the Guardians of the Galaxy coalesce against you know battling. Celestials and also people powered by Infinity Stones. Um, we coalesce around that. around talking about Marvel movies, though, which is going to bring us into what matters the most: all oh, rankings, ranking it amongst the other fourteen Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. I know I always oh, go not, through not like against my parents. Okay, that's good. I always go through everyone's listings. 
I think I'm only going to refresh everybody on like the top fives because at this mm-hmm. point there's a lot of movies. So myself, I have Civil War as number one, then Captain America, The Winter Soldier, then Age of Ultron, then Avengers, and then the original Guardians of the Galaxy. Paul, for your number one, you have Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Age of Ultron, Captain America, Civil War, Iron Man, and then uh, original Guardians of the Galaxy. John, your number one, you have Captain America, The Winter Soldier, then the original Guardians of the Galaxy, then Captain America, Civil War, original Avengers, and then original Iron Man. Is anybody ready to put this in in the rankings? Yep. Okay. You both had your figures up, but John's the one that actually like said yep. yep. Go with John. I, oh, both I just was I was taken off guard because both Paul and I were going, Yes, we can go and and, yeah, well, and Chris, because... you go, go ahead. And it was like, well, neither one of us know what to do. I didn't have Skype up on my May page. I, I was looking at the listing. Uh, I'm going to go, this is going to be my number six. This is going to go after Iron Man, but before Ant-Man. Okay. And Iron I Man. think I when I originally, when we originally thought we were going to do this, I thought I was going to put this more middle, lower middle. But after watching this again, I was like, you know, I if you asked me Ant-Man or this, I probably would say, I'll watch Guardians. Because it's both of them are fun, but I think I get more, more laughs and more just. I like the characters. I think a little bit more than. I mean, Paul Red's doing a lot of heavy lifting. He doesn't have, aside from, um, I can't think of his, the guy that can, punch people out. Uh, oh yeah, Michael, Michael Pena. Pena. Aside from that, there's no other characters that are like super likable. You know, uh, Michael Douglas is kind of a dick. What's her name from Lost is kind of a dick. Like, those are the two great characters in it. But this char- this movie's got so many great scenes with so many great characters that I would put it above Ant Man. Paul, uh, that's exactly where I'm putting it. Right above Ant Man. <laughs> This is so I'm putting it uh, a little bit further down. This is my number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. My eighth favorite of the movie. So this goes right below Avengers, and then uh, right above Ant Man, Iron Man three, and Thor, the original Thor. Chris, where are you going? So this one's very middling for me. I really do enjoy it, but so much of that just. We referenced it at the beginning, John, uh, with the throwing of the energy ball back and forth. That scene did what it was supposed to do, where it's like, yeah, he's finally playing catch with his dad. The movie knew what it was supposed to be at that point. But then when you finally see them come to grips and like come to terms with like, the like, by that it time. Just, it doesn't sell me more than the conflict at the end of the original Guardians did because that one seemed to matter more on like a human level and it could just be because you're seeing like the Nova Corps get decimated uh, as their ships are blowing up so I put this one behind the original Guardians which is still in my top six but it's not that sweet sweet top five territory 
Um, not a bad movie. I think it's still more fun to go back and rewatch than some of the other Marvel Cinematic films. But I don't think this is one of the best, especially when you compare it to what came before Chris. with the original Guardians of the Galaxy, where that was just so new and fresh and fun. Like this, Chris, more of the same can never be better than what gave it to you in the first place. Chris, where did he put it above? Uh, I put it before Ant-Man. We all put it above Ant-Man. Ant- like Ant-Man's it's the, a good movie. It's, it's Guardians Volume 2 and then Ant-Man. No matter where you are. No matter I, what you're I doing. I think they both kind of scratch the same itch where it's like, it's a superhero movie, yes, but there's that feeling of family and fun to it. So mm-hmm. I think this one's just a little bit more exciting than the original Ant-Man, yeah. I guess. I gave it because of the baby group. It was Baby Groot dancing to Mr. Blue Sky that put it above Ant-Man for me. <laughs> Honestly, like, otherwise, it might have dropped down lower. There's a lot of really fun interplay between the characters in Guardians. And also the... Um, and that's just one of those, like, writing exercises that you do in, like, a creative writing thing where it's like, okay, take two characters that don't normally interact with each other and now put them together what happens and you get to see that a lot in this movie where like nebula like it isn't ripe yet people kicking like the root vegetable away from her everything with drax and mantis like there's a lot of gold in this movie yeah yeah i agree i but not enough gold to make it number 1 no but no, I- uh, again Number number ones, I have Civil War. Paul and John, you both have Captain America Winter Soldier. We all have Captain America movies as our number one. Just saying. I do have to say, talking about this, I thought I would rate it higher, but now talking about it with all you, it, it like was dropping as we were talking about it. Because of that third act problem. It really suffers from that third act. Like I I realized that I only turning uh turn it on for like those first couple scenes and by once they're on ego, I'm kind of done. Like, get me to the point where they're killing everybody. Rocket and yeah. uh, Michael Rooker are killing everybody. After that scene, I'm kind of, kind of out. I, I, I can see that. I think you guys have watched these. You've, I think you've watched all these movies more than I have. I think those original Iron Man, Thor, Avengers, all those original ones, I went back to a lot. But these mm-hmm. new ones, I see them in the theater. I'll see them once more, maybe twice more, and then I'll watch them for the retrospective. Like I'm not oh, okay. like going hardcore. Like Paul, what what, what every birthday well, that and like COVID, you and Kate went yeah. through all the movies. Like yeah, that when COVID hit and it was before you know because Kate. I have to say, my wife is awesome. She really makes a big deal about birthdays. So COVID hit in March. My birthday was coming up in May. And she was like, oh, what do you want to do? She, like, immediately, once lockdown happened, she was like, oh, what do you kind of want to do for your birthday? And I'm like, oh, well, maybe, you know, like I normally do, like, maybe watch all the Marvel movies. And she's like, oh, well, let's start watching them all. So we just started watching them all again. So, yeah, you know, 
And before that, like on my birthday, I would kind of have them on in the background, like just play one after the other because I had the DVDs. Now, Disney Plus, so it's even easier. I do fall into the habit of, you know, watching these chronologically because, you know, that's what we're doing for the show. But then, okay, you know, I watched Guardians of the Galaxy yesterday to get refreshed on it. My next day off, I'm going to watch the next one, which is going to be for Part 16, Spider-Man Homecoming. And then after that, I'm going to watch Thor Ragnarok. And then I'll watch Black Panther. And then we're going to circle back. And it's like, okay, what are we doing for our next show? Oh, we don't have anything to talk about. You know, it's not a look back month. It's not a, uh, whatchamacallit, trade and policy. Oh, let, yeah, it's not... Well, let's let's do the great Marvel movie retrospect, and I'll be like, okay. Well, oh, it's Spider Man Homecoming. Let me go back and rewatch it so it's all fresh. Um, I don't have a problem doing that though because I ultimately do enjoy watching and rewatching these movies, even the ones that I put down at the bottom of my list, like Incredible Hulk or Thor: The Dark World. Doctor Strange is my third least favorite. I still have no problem going back to any of these. Are there ones I'd rather watch first? Yeah, but you say like, hey, Chris, you want to watch Incredible Hulk? Yeah, let's let's grab some beer and some snacks, you know. It's going to be a fun night no matter what. And if you're having a fun night because you're listening to this podcast, uh, go find us wherever you're listening to us. Rate and review us. It helps other people find this podcast. Uh also, you know, just take your friend's uh, device and just download us on that. That works, too. Um, uh, definitely check out uh, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, where we're putting stuff up. Chris is, uh, I love seeing it when it pops up in my uh, Instagram, all the different posts that Chris is putting up. Uh, so, uh, like those, find us, follow us, uh, other stuff that podcasts say. Yeah, if there's something that you want us to watch or listen to or read, let us know. Email us over at bagmanboardcast at gmail.com or just comment on any of the posts that we have on any of those social medias. Uh, we always appreciate it, but ultimately we just like doing this because it's three friends keeping in touch with each other. Uh, and we're family. The Guardians taught me that, guys. 